Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings. This is VSIN, the sports betting network. Again, DraftKings right now showing 2 110 up and down on the juice on Super Bowl 58, San Francisco. Kansas City, so 47 on the total as we welcome you back. I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, and it is a Wednesday, hour two. That means Mike Palm, Circa, the D, Golden Gate Casino, of course, Beast and Host. You can catch him on the Lombardi line on Fridays with Pritch and Femi. That's a threesome. Live bet Saturday with Ben Wilson. And then today, after us here, Sharp Money, it's going to be Mr. Palm and Tim Murray on VSIN primetime. Now, we got to give Palm credit here, boys, because we've got Palm versus the Prince coming up. But he is playing injured today, not feeling his best. Mike, how are you? I'm not feeling my best. Uh, I'm like that sweetest girl ever from Wycliffe. I'm under the weather, you know, Patrick. But we're going to persevere on. Uh, if I had to do the three hours later, I could at least enjoy this 30 minutes. <laughs> so you do sound like you've got one foot in the grave. Do you think you can make it through 29 minutes here, let alone three hours later with Tim? Um, I'll get through this 29. I'm pretty sure of that. What happens between now and three o'clock? Who knows? <laughs> That's a good tease, by the way. You're a a vet in the business. A tease. Will Mike show up and make it through three hours of VEASAN primetime? You're going to have to stick around to find out. What uh, I just I just threw that number at you. Two and forty seven. Is that the same? That's DraftKings. How about Circa on the Super Bowl? That's where we're at. Uh, uh, I I would. You know, I, if I had a guess, I don't think it's going to close to, although we get a lot of California money. I I have to believe this number closes at one, maybe even a pick, Patrick. That is what Fezzik said. Fezzik, isn't that, boys, what he said? He said a pick em, he thinks, yeah, by the time em. it closes. I, I hope Fezzik is wrong because I'm battling with him right now, but I think I agree with you. I think closer to one. Uh, Omal, you want to take a stab at it? I, I tend to think we'll come closer to one, even though Mike alluded to it. We get a lot of people from California. Remember, people coming in from Southern California, this could be an anti-Bay Area and 49er uh, betting market potentially there. Mike, you've been in this game a long time. What's the largest bet you've taken on a Super Bowl while you've been somewhere at a property? Uh, 
300,000 on the game is the largest uh, that, that we've taken, which we took here uh, a couple years ago. I imagine we'll get a similar size bet to that this year uh, from our one big player who we avoided the landmine of his, his Baltimore bet for 100,000 at 13 to one. He's, he still hit his, his 49ers to win the NFC bet, but the, 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 the disaster for us would have been if the Ravens won it. So now we're actually in a decent position to Kansas City to win and an even better position to the 49ers because we didn't take the 49ers Super Bowl money. We only took the NFC money. Boys, can we talk about the elephant in the room and a missed opportunity? When you think of Michigan, you think of Motown, you think of Joe Lewis, you think of Eminem, you think of Kid Rock, you think of the White Stripes, and then you think of, of course, Mr. Stevens, okay? Now, the D is named after Detroit. Circus Sports, I know every time I go to Circus Sports, I see somebody from home in Michigan, and Derek Stevens flew up to San Francisco, went to the break, up 24-7, and then your boy Dan Campbell handed it to San Francisco. That is a missed opportunity for Circus Sports there because it would have been insane with all the Michigan people coming to Vegas, Mike. Where would we have found the room for all these people, though? I mean, There's all these, no chance. They wanted rooms and they wanted Super Bowl tickets. I mean, we, didn't, we don't even get Raiders tickets, Patrick. Uh, so it would have been a lot of pressure, but I felt bad that they lost the game the way they did. Uh, when they, I thought they were firmly in control. Even even they forced a field goal to open the second half. It felt like they were going to yes. win it. You know, you can criticize Campbell. I, I'm not as much on that bandwagon because this is kind of how he does it, right? I mean, he's always trying to take chances. I think you have to kick a field goal to go up two scores. But to me, the Gibbs fumble was the turning point in the game. I think that created all the momentum for the 49ers. I don't think the 49ers were creating momentum on their own, but I think that fumble and the back-to-back scores is what turned the game. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there. Patrick and I talked about this at length. That We thought the fumble, excuse me, the First field goal to forego that one and go up by three scores. I thought that was crucial. You take that opportunity, but regardless, you got to give the Lions a ton of credit. They played a great game. They played it. I was being a little exaggerative, Mike, because I agree with you. Like the positive outweighs the negative with Campbell. I'll argue I totally agree with them all. You know what's funny, Mike, is more people in Michigan were arguing you got to tie it up. They were okay with the aggressiveness, but I agree with exactly what you said. I thought settling for a field goal on that opening drive was a huge win for the Lions. The 49ers needed to score there. They needed six. Yeah, I thought that's where they won the game. That's when I first believed they were going to win this game, when they forced a field goal to open the half. Mike, I said the same thing. I thought San Francisco it was imperative to get seven, Patrick. They don't do that. They end up getting 14. I'm like, now you're in a situation where you're basically going to have to keep the Lions from getting 10 points in the second half. And can you do that? And I didn't think they would necessarily be able to do that because that still means you've got to put up 24 points. And you have a team that can run the football yeah. and, and shorten the game. So I thought this was a, a, a study about America, though. This, this Lions run, I mean, we're only 40 years removed from – you know, the excess and inefficiency of the auto industry bringing this country to its knees. But America was ready to forgive and embrace the Lions on this run. So I thought that was significant culturally. You say all those names when you think of Detroit. I think of Roger Smith and that great documentary, Roger and Me. That tells you all you need to know about that city and that state. I think a Lee Iacocca, if anybody. Oh, that's all Derek. Um, That's his hero. You know, he talks about when he took over Chrysler and he rolled the tape down the middle of the room and he said, half the people are going to be gone. I haven't decided which side, but we got to get rid of half our staff. So I'm going to let you know with left side or right side. And those are the hard decisions you have to make as a leader. 
Well, we appreciate you letting us back in the union. <laughs> Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so question, yeah. how did a championship Sunday was the handle crazy there at circus sports? Oh yeah, it was, it was terrific. Um, I, you know, I talk about the, the California money. I think that's kept pushing that number to seven and a half was just our proximity to California in that lions game. Because, you know, even though our friend analyst Femi, every which way a better bet all the alternates on San Francisco laid, laid every which way number. Most of the people that I talked to that knew anything about the game were, were taking the points with the lions, right? That these two teams were more similar than not. Um, we did well. People in the end game kept betting Baltimore to come back and win the first game. So we did well to the end game in that as well as, as for the future book. And we, we actually needed the Lions to cover the number because we took more San Francisco money. Although the Lions winning, that would have been the best result for a Super Bowl winner as far as terms of future book. You have to give Femi the benefit of the doubt. Lifelong Cowboys fan. He's actually never seen a championship. So he's not used to what quality football looks like. That's why he assumed the Niners would just go out there and throttle the team. That was second in the NFC, third, really. And that's why he thought maybe they were going to cover every number six ways to Sunday. I begged him. To now, get, I was going to give him late 21 and a half. I put up the 2,000 right on the desk Friday. I said, we give it to Pritch. You put up a nickel. I'll put up two dimes. They covered 21 and a half. You can have the money. And he let the clock run out before the bet was made. You know. Ironically, that's your partner <laughs> On Friday, but your partner later today had Notre Dame on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> like, we got um, we have four Notre Dame guests coming up. I don't want to ruin the surprise. I know we don't really tease out the guests, but just of course a topical day for Notre Dame. I guess you guys have the great yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's important. It is um, really. It, it certainly is. Can you work up a lather for 49ers Chiefs? Like, is there uh, like it, no. look? We're gonna bet it, so it changes nothing as yeah. far as a network. But does this yeah. matchup have juice for you? Uh, well, now you're taking away a debate topic because that was one of the debate questions. Oh, so you my bad. Oh, I, I, yeah. That's good yeah. because I don't have a great answer for it anyhow. But <laughs> Waste it. I, I, we've seen the game, right? We've seen it a couple years ago. Um, I don't know. People ask, are we getting, uh, what is it, Chiefs fatigue? Yeah. Um, I don't really get Chiefs fatigue. I, I've got more Patriots fatigue than I get Chiefs fatigue. So um, we'll see. It, I, it, will this go to Reed and, and, and Mahomes' legacy as they build maybe to try to say the best dynasty? Or will Shanahan finally win a game? Will he come up big in a big spot? Um, but I would have the Lions would have been really fun, to your point, Pat. Oh, that yeah. would have been so fun. I, I think it would have been a lot more interesting to see from an offensive standpoint. The only thing that will change in this Super Bowl for the 49ers if they have the ball with two minutes left in the first half, they're not going to try and run out the clock this time. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to actually try and score. Yeah, my bad. A big guy, I apologize. My proofreading of Palm versus the Prince let me down there. Uh, but I promise to come back strong in the next segment. I, but I appreciated I, Mike's move. He's like, no, you know what? It's for the next segment. However, he knew he might lose it to them all. So the strategy already so coming into it. play. So he burnt it now so you can't ask it. Yeah. It was a smart move. Yeah. You never feel like you're going to totally lose because he might go off the rails on an answer. You're well, always Salvador. alive, even if even if he brings South America into the into the broadcast again. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. The guy's actually a great politician. I looked it up. Before. I mean, it's unbelievable. A, yeah, I read, I read. I never heard of 
You he, really did? I did because I didn't know who you oh, were talking oh, okay. about. I'm sweating. Nothing will ever top the fact that Amal's been a vegan for 30 years and he said his favorite toppings no. were sausage and pepperoni. I walked my dog for three hours thinking about that answer and I don't even know which way was up by the time. It was either the most brilliant thing I've ever heard or the, or dumbest. the dumbest. Yeah. Come on, what about which, Jackie? How about when you watch Jackie Robinson break the color barrier? How can you watch it? There said, was no we, film of it. How can you watch it? By the way, it? my he answer cr- is Brett Favre's father, the he, day he Brett Favre's father passed away. A week later, you come up with a good answer. I come up with a good yeah, answer a week good. later. Very good. All right. So those, hey, those by the way, topical. Oh. In Kansas City, somebody stole the Jackie Robinson statue. <laughs> the question that was asked last that? week was, was, what moment could you watch right now in sports that would make you cry? And Amal said Jackie Robinson's <laughs> debut <laughs> as the Even most pandering it. pander in the history of pandering. I have a future yeah. in politics. I'm trying to pander to the audience. There's no it tape. Was either that or the There's war no of 1812. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. Beast in primetime coming up later. Tim Murray, Mike Palm, and Ron Paulus will join. But next. <laughs> Rick Meyer. Rick Meyer in the, in the 5 I o'clock hour. He's going to be terrible. Rick Meyer. Hey, Rick Meyer. <laughs> Can we get Bino Cook? He was a big Two guy. Time. Anyway. Two-time Heisman winner, Ron Paulus. <laughs> Mike Bray in the third hour. When we return, Palm versus the Prince. Muffet McGraw. Muffet McGraw at 315. <laughs> There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me. <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
Okay, Amal's favorite Omaha steaks. You're going to fall in love at first bite with their tender steaks, juicy burgers, air chilled chicken, and more. You're going to love every bite. It's Omaha Steaks Guarantee. And for a limited time, when you go to omahasteaks.com slash vsin, V-S-I-N, you'll get four free air chilled boneless chicken breasts and four free rich, juicy, boneless pork chops. Minimum purchase may apply. Again, it's omahasteaks.com slash V-S-I-N. Sharp Money, presented by DraftKings. We welcome you back. It's time. Get the stopwatch ready, big guy. It's time for Palm versus the Prince. Of course, I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. Mike Palm joins us. He's battling through an illness. We give him credit here. And it's time. Amal, you won the coin toss backstage. So the first question goes to you. Patrick Mahomes will win over or under five and a half Super Bowls in his career. I'll go under. Despite his greatness, when you look at the AFC, it's such a crowded place right now. Josh Allen there, Lamar Jackson, CJ Stroud on the on this upswing, I think it's going to be a real challenge. It doesn't include, obviously, beating the NFC in the Super Bowl. He's going to have a brilliant career, but to win six Super Bowls would be an incredible feat. I'm going to go under. Yeah, you get now you get uh, Jim Harbaugh in your own division yeah. now. Uh, Sean Payton there. I say under as well as a mall. I really thought, and I didn't bet the game, Patrick, because I didn't want to get in the way and put myself in front of Reed and Mahomes. I really thought the AFC Championship game Sunday was going to be like the 81 NFC Championship game, the catch, where you saw a seed change in the AFC where Baltimore took over as the dominant team. Did not happen. Have we thought Dustin Sweetelson, Mike might be faking the illness to pick up another W in yeah. Palm versus the Prince? We I shall mean, see. He'll do anything to keep the streak going. Rope-a-dope. Who, who <laughs> should, Mike Palm, who should the Washington Commanders target for their head coaching job? Well, I can't believe Mike Vrabel doesn't have a job. That, that to me, is the most amazing thing. They said, tough offseason for Belichick, tough offseason for his tree. Both him and Vrabel. I think Vrabel's the best available coach out there. I think he understands analytics as well as being a tough-nosed defense minded guy. They got to fix that defense there. You'll draft a quarterback. I'd hire Vrabel. You know, at this point in time, I would probably go with Aaron Glenn or somebody that brings in some new juice. When you look at the four contenders we talked about earlier with Biennemi and Quinn and Weaver, none of these guys excite me. I think Aaron Glenn could be a relatable guy. He had a good career in the National Football League. You mentioned Vrabel. I just don't think he's got the juice. What does he bring to the table? He hasn't accomplished that much. For me, I would go with some new blood here. Okay, this is a tough one, but I like it. If Kyle Shanahan, your boy Amal, wins his first Super Bowl, which coach has the most pressure to win one next? This was a very good question and very hard to come up with a great answer. Whoa, 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 whoa. I hate to be a stickler, but this is Amal's answer. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but I'm just trying to soften the blow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with Sean Payton, and there's two reasons why. First of all, the expectations that he brought to Denver. And then the outward speak and talk about everybody else in the coaching fraternity and the negativity, the way he criticized Hackett. There was no need to do that. He thought he could turn around Russell Wilson. That's been a colossal failure. I think it's on Sean Payton. The pressure's there. A lot of these other coaches that are in existence are younger. The expectations are not there. We've seen the guys that have expectations be able to accomplish it. So I thought implied in the question was someone who hadn't won one already because of the Shanahan reference. So I went down the list and I said, I think we just saw Staley fail and we see Anthony Lynn and all these coaches who who didn't win with the Chargers. I think Zach Taylor now for someone who hasn't won. As we go on with Burrow here, the pressure you're going to have to do something and win a championship with Joe Burrow. The franchise has been to three Super Bowls, never won one. A little back and forth between the boys. <laughs> it's okay. Mike Palm, your favorite sport. If Embiid and Jokic wind up ineligible for the MVP award, make a case for a long shot. Tyrese Halliburton. 
Tyrese Halliburton is going to will the Pacers uh, into the NBA, NBA Eastern Conference playoffs, currently sitting at a six. They won't have to be in that play-in round. 23-3, rebounds, 12.5 assists, shooting 50% from the field. Number one vote-getter through all the metrics, media, players, fans, in the Eastern Conference for the All-Star game. Too many games missed for Halliburton for me. I'm going to go with Jalen Brunson. He's averaging almost 27 points per game on 48% shooting. Incredible. Almost seven assists per game. This Knicks team has been injured. He's been doing it when key guys like Julius Randle are out of the lineup. I think Brunson's efficiency not only proves what he's done in New York, but guys, think about when he left Dallas. That team dropped off immensely on the defensive side of the ball. They got to the Western Conference Finals. The only thing they were doing with the Western Conference Finals the next year was watching them on TV. When's the last time an NBA All-Star backup, not a star or won the MVP award. I'm all pandering to Knicks fan Dustin Sweetelson there. Can't hate it. The idea here is, Mike Palm, what's the best first date? So I'm going to give an answer that's different because I feel like today, in today's society, everyone has kids because of the high rate of divorce and you're going in. So I think the best first date is doing something with your kids. Because I think most people who are dating have children now, and people don't think of that. But it's a no-pressure atmosphere where you get to see the other person interact as a mother or father. It's a good answer, but I think most people don't want you to meet their kids on the first date, but that's just what I would assume. For me, I would go for a Manny Petty, then I'll take you to dinner. The Manny Petty game always works. Trust me, that's a great way to pander to females. 99% are all in on that one. <laughs> Not every female loves a Metro guy, Amal. I, I just want to say that on, for the record. I will, I will just say both answers just blew my mind. Um, I'm trying to wrap my head around it for scoring. I'm still spinning. 20-year-olds are wondering what Palm's talking about with the children, but we will. We digress. Um, okay, next up is you, Amal Shaw. In honor of Greg Olson being bumped out of Fox, who would you consider to be the most underrated analyst in any sport. I'm going to tell you, for me personally, it's college basketball and it's Fran Fraschilla. He does a tremendous job. Fool's gold is one of my favorite lines. You'll see a center step out, knock down a three-pointer. He's like, hey, but with shoes or whoever's doing the game with him, that's fool's gold because he's going to take three more of these shots he's going to miss. He knows the game so well. He knows recruiting at such a level. He's able to explain it extremely well. Love him in the Big 12 on college hoops. I have Fraschilla on my notes, but my top answer is Steve Stone. Uh, as a baseball uh, color analyst, I think he's terrific. I think he brings that perspective, not only from having been an all-star pitcher, but he also brings a perspective from a front office like a Michael Lombardi would do, also from a, a management standpoint like a manager would do. I love listening to him. It's a shame they can't keep a good partner for him. Okay. Mike, Andy Reid is the fill-in-the-blank greatest head coach of your lifetime. At first, I thought you were calling for a word, a descriptive word, and then I realized this was a numerical answer, and I said fourth. He is the fourth greatest head coach of my lifetime. I think Bill Walsh is the best coach of my lifetime. I'll put Belichick second, Landry third. That leaves Reed fourth. I don't know how to treat Jimmy Johnson because I think you could make an argument for him being higher, but he didn't coach long enough and he didn't really do much with the Dolphins. I felt he never should have lost a game with the Hurricanes and he probably could have won three or four more with the Cowboys. 
I, I have him second on my list. Mike has the same number one yep. coach of all time that I had, which is Bill Walsh. I think Walsh is the greatest coach. But you look at Andy Reid in Kansas City alone. He has not won less than nine games in any season. Ten of the 11 seasons, he's won double digits. Even in Philadelphia with Donovan McNabb, he somehow found a way to get to five consecutive conference championship games. I think his legacy has been cemented. And this is why, to me, Patrick, he has surpassed Bill Belichick. Belichick didn't do anything in Cleveland. One postseason in five years, this guy found a way to five consecutive championship games with Donovan McNabb. Okay, last one. This one confuses me, but I'll go with it, big guy. If you could, Amal Shaw, have been the last player on the bench of any sports team of all time, who would you choose? Uh, I would have gone with baseball. And it would have been on the New York Yankees during the 98 to 2000 run, winning World Series and playing with Jeter, Mariano, uh, Tito, Tino Martinez, and, um, of course, the catcher, Jorge Posada. What a run it was for the Yankees. All young guys have been great to be a Yankee at that time. I had the 95-96 Bulls, the team that won 72 games in the regular season. You would have got plenty of playing time with all the blowouts to you know, to further your contract and, and get paid. Plus, being around Jordan during the second run and 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 Phil Jackson would have been quite a quite an experience. I don't want to get punched by one of my teammates. No. No. Kerr had it coming. I I'm going to say I'm going to say this, big guy. While I think both had stellar performances today, I couldn't separate. I had a mall outright winning one. I had Mike outright winning one. And then, frankly, I had six pushes, and I'm not pandering to either of them. I couldn't differentiate. So you will be the deciding factor. All right. Well, I don't have any pushes. Uh, I thought Palm was better on Mahomes over under and on who Washington should hire with Vrabel. But I thought Amal came through with the pressure with Sean Payton, thought it was a creative answer. I have a Brunson 125-1 to ticket, so, of course, I'm going to go with Amal there. Uh, I thought the Manny Petty tip was really good. Thought that I really like that answer. <laughs> I've never gotten a pedicure before because my feet are super ticklish and I don't want to assault someone and break their nose accidentally <laughs> during it. But I've always wanted to experience it. Uh, the Frischilla answer, I went a mall, but then I went with Palm for, for Reed and the Bulls answer. So unfortunately, boys, I got this thing 4-4. Take it. We'll take it. Now, there's a rumor floating around that John Goulet, our program director, is actively trying to fill it's, your spot it's later in the day. It's What's done. What's the deal? It's done. It I'm, is? I'm going to go we, home and rest. Thinking about like having to tease us? I don't know who. I didn't. Uh, it really doesn't I, concern me. Can I give me. you a quick recommendation <laughs> how to get healthy? Some Omaha steaks with some pepperoni. <laughs> go, go home. Pepperoni. <laughs> I'll tell you what fixed me. Okay. I watched the whole new season of Love on the Spectrum. 10 out of 10. Sounds like a nightmare. Love on the what? It, love on this, but Dustin, you won't you won't show us your feet right now live on TV after talking about it. I, at the weight I'm at, if I put my feet up here, I'm hitting the ground. Mike, feel better. <laughs> Jonathan Von Tobel is next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the sports betting network. One of my favorites, Jonathan Von Tobel, joining us. But first, become a VEASAN Pro subscriber. And again, a lot of you are signing up right now just to get the Super Bowl package, but you can get everything for a year using the promo code SHARP for $199. Daily best bets, betting splits. You know you love them. Big game betting guides and more. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. So I said it. And again, if you've been paying attention to... To me, for my money, the best NBA podcast out there over at VEASAN.com, Hardwood Handicappers, 
Sixers with, of course, Jonathan Von Tobel and his buddy Kelly Bidlin. You were way ahead of the curve on the Clippers. We say hi to VEASAN host Jonathan Von Tobel at me, JVT. And I've been so excited to talk to you. I've been so entrenched in the association lately, so I have a ton of notes. Let's start here. Right now, Jonathan, six to one on the Clippers. So I'm going to let you flex a little bit. DraftKings, six to one on the Clippers to win a title. I wrote this down because I watched it. I thought it was a bigger Cavs win than a Clippers loss two nights ago because the Clippers have just been freaking awesome. Let's let you run with the Clipper conversation here. Yeah, and to the point about the, the Cavaliers um, win, right, uh, and we talked about this on the pod the next day, I think I underestimated in that game what the Clippers had put into the win over Boston on that previous game, right, in Saturday, because if you guys remember, Boston in, in a month ago had gone to L.A., they played without Kawhi, and Boston pasted them, and so I think it was a big revenge spot to go in there and do what they did to Boston, and then the letdown to go in and play Cleveland uh, I think was pretty tough, so that loss, I think, doesn't throw you off, and especially because the team is, to your alluding to, Patrick, 22-5 and five in their last 27 games, <laughs> They've been brilliant, but, you know, and I tweeted this out when I bet it about like a month and a half ago. I bet them at 30 to one to win the NBA finals. I believe they are the best team in the NBA. I, I think that when they are fully healthy, they are power rated on the same par with the Boston Celtics. In fact, they think they can even match up and beat the Boston Celtics. As we saw to an extent, Christoph Porzingis did not play this last Saturday. And it's amazing, too, because the market has been kind of slow on the uptick a little bit here, right? We've seen their futures odds really shrink, and rightfully so. I will say flat out, I don't think it's worth it at this point right now because the fair rebuttal to me and my love for the Clippers is the health and the track record, and that's fair. And I think that you don't want to invest in 6-1 to because of that track record. But I do think once you get into the NBA postseason, I think there's going to be some value in betting on this team regularly in some of these series because there's a reality in which they do find themselves once they get out of the first round to be short favorites or very short underdogs, depending on where they're seeding against some of these teams that I think they match up well with. But for my money right now, you tell me they're healthy. They are the best team in the NBA, and I don't think there's a question about it. So they've got three games remaining against the Timberwolves, one against Denver, one against Oklahoma City. Then they've got four games combined against Washington and the Pistons. So they've got those head-to-head matchups. Do you believe they'll wind up as the one seed in the Western Conference? Right now, they're just a half a game behind, or excuse me, one game behind Minnesota in the loss column. I think they can them all. I think they have everything in front of them. I think they match up well with every single one of those teams. Now, off the top of my head, I don't know where those games fall, right? If we're talking like third game in four nights, five game in seven nights, where they're at in terms of road trips and whatnot. But I do think that, yes, the way that they are playing and their depth, guys, like that's the big part about all of this in terms of their ability to go through a regular season. You talk about their front court depth. They have two of the best two-way wings. They've got a triple rotation of centers. Zubac is unhealthy right now, but he is going to come back. So you've got three guys that you trust at center. You've got a plethora of guards from Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Norm Powell that you really trust at this point, Terrence Mann. Like, they have a lot of depth them all. So to be able to overcome, I think, a lot of the arduous nature of the regular season. And then look at the teams that you mentioned. Denver's actually playing very well. Minnesota's kind of losing their footing a little bit. They got a big win over Oklahoma City the other day, but it's part of a stretch where they've been playing very inconsistent. And still, by the way, about 15th in offensive efficiency. It's one of their biggest weaknesses. And then you look at a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder, who they can absolutely demolish on the glass. I think they match up well with the teams that are in front of them. So I say, yes, like they are absolutely in play for the one seat. They're only two games back at this point right now. And the best part of them all is there is a growing gap between the top four teams, Clippers being the fourth seed right now, and the teams that are seeded five through 10. Like right now, it seems very clear that our top four teams are going to be the ones that are there right now. It just depends on how they're going to sort themselves out. Patrick, the biggest distinction I make between the regular season and the postseason is this. 
as JVT alluded to, you might have four games in five nights. In the playoffs, you might play on Monday. You might play again on Thursday. And an older team like the Clippers, I think that bodes well for them. So this is for you, Jonathan. I, w I walk my dog very early in the morning. And about five times now, you know who I've seen on my walk? Jason Plumley. Lawrence Frank. Oh, okay. And I want to walk. Now he's the president there with the Clippers. And I want to walk up to him and say, JVT's got your back, but also the Harden trade. Everybody universally hated it. And it's worked. And now when I watch the Clippers, they're actually playing with joy. I never saw this coming. So credit to you. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is what I like about like our, our perception of sports in general. But James Harden's a really good example of this. And I got so much pushback on it because immediately when he got traded, my pushback was just because you don't like him as a person, you ignore how good he is as a basketball player. And right. oh, he's no, he's terrible. He's not very good. He led the league in assists last year, guys. Like he single handedly won the Philadelphia 76ers two playoff games in the Eastern Conference semifinals. This guy is a very good basketball player. And now we're talking about Ben being the third wheel on a team that is very good at this point right now. And look, again, similar to the health um, pushback, right? If you tell me next year it blows up, sure, why not? Like I, Harden's got a weird track record. But at this point right now, how well this is working out, at least for this season, much like we're seeing with Kyrie, by the way, in Dallas, right? We haven't heard much from Kyrie this year. If you get into a situation that's kind of working for you, at some point you just you burn every bridge. You look around, you're like, all right, this is something that's working for me, both professionally in terms of the results, and I could get what I want here in terms of the contract that's the team I might offer it to him. So I, I think overall, like we forgot the collectively, not me, um, how good James Harden is as a basketball player because we don't like him, and you're seeing this, and they're, they're, you're seeing so many people that are surprised by this. I, I pushed this every single time, guys. When we see them together, this is why the Clippers have been so maddening. When you see them play. They are good. Two years ago, they made a run to the Western Conference Finals. Last year, Kawhi Leonard took down the Suns in the first game and looked like they were going to win that series. They covered four out of the five games against the against the Suns without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Like this is a team that when you have seen them collectively, the results have been there. We just haven't seen them, and now we're finally starting to see it, and it looks every bit as dominant as we saw in the flashes that we did. Uh, JVT, I think that's an excellent point you make on James Harden. The distinction between his personality and his ability, and I think the line gets erased when people look at him. Uh, that's yep, a great point. Let's go to the in, Eastern. In, in Sorry, our guys. biases in sports betting, where we associate our feelings for somebody and then it kind of shrouds what we do with betting. I think it's a tremendous point. Quickly, you do have an associated bet tonight. The Clippers are in Washington. You're going to go team total over with the Wizards. Yeah, over 111 and a half. I haven't checked this for a couple hours, so I'll double check because Paul George is questionable. And this is something we brought up on the pod yesterday and it brought up again today. You know, that loss to Cleveland that you had mentioned, Patrick, uh, Paul George has been dealing with a sore groin. And so I kind of surmised that he would pop up at some point in the injury report with this groin issue. Uh, and sure enough, he is questionable to play now, got added a couple of hours ago. And the Clippers do have trouble with teams that have quick guards that play somewhat in transition. You've seen it uh, quite a few times. Uh, Toronto went out there a couple of weeks ago and was it a back and forth affair that they ultimately uh, pulled away from but I think that this is a spot where again you get a team that likes to play in transition Clippers in the mid-20s and transition defense uh, and right now the, the total has gone up from 111 and a half to 112 and a half I, I think 112 and a half is playable especially if we're not going to see Paul George and this would be the spot to do it you're in the midst of a seven game road trip you've got Washington today you've got Detroit in two days like these aren't really opponents that not that they're bad but they're Eastern Conference foes that are the lower end of the conference you don't have to worry about so this would be make, make a lot of sense to get Paul George a night off today so if he does take the night off that 112 and a half is going to turn to about 113, 114 and a half. So I would say better now. 
JVT, the Knicks are playing very well, 31-17. and 17. I know Patrick and Dustin are both believers in this team. How do you look at the Knicks when you look big picture in the Eastern Conference? Obviously, Boston and Milwaukee right now only in front of them. But are they legitimately a contender to come out of the conference? I mean, I think it's hard to call them legitimately a contender because when I think that everybody's fully healthy, right, everything's created equal. Boston and Philadelphia are two teams that are clearly better than them all. And Milwaukee has the potential to be better. And I think offensively, they clearly are a much better team. But I would say right now, like, right, they're dueling with Cleveland for that fourth spot in terms of power rating in the Eastern Conference. And right now, I'd give the edge to the New York Knicks only in that the I love OG and Anobi. Now, they do have to solve some problems. I think their bench, they desperately need another scoring presence off of that bench they, they really carved into that when they took Emmanuel quickly out of there and they shipped them off to Toronto and you have seen at times when their bench gets out of whack um, that's when their offense has really fallen off and some of the injuries you're all a little concerned with right we know the Julius Randall is going to be a few weeks Mitchell Robinson reportedly will be back offensive rebounding and second chance points are such a big part of what this team does offensively if you look at it guys they're average to below average in both half court offense and transition offense and yet they're a top 10 offense why because they get second chance opportunities and so in some of these other matchups where you're talking about playing Milwaukee playing Philadelphia playing Boston teams that can rebound on the same level with you are you going to be able to get those second chance opportunities to keep an offense that at times has been pretty average going and I don't know if that's the case but I do think them all they've got home court advantage written all over them and they've got a second round appearance I think written all over them currently constructed and they're 14 to 1 to come out of the east big guy as a Knicks fan did you want to push back on anything that Jonathan said I just don't feel as good as the Celtics are, and I love their roster as long as Tatum and Brown are there. I think they're so soft, and the, and the Knicks always give them a run for their money. They could push them to the brink, but I do agree. They do have to make a move. They need more depth. There is a chance Mitchell Robinson does come back late in the year because he had his surgery in December. Uh, the move, obviously, for me is Malcolm Brogdon. You add Malcolm Brogdon, it solves a lot of problems. Hopefully, you can keep Grimes in that deal. It gives you the depth you're needed because right now, the, the addition of OG, watching that guy play basketball is a freaking joy he just does so many little things on so many possessions that make a difference in winning look you made jonathan proud he's smiling that is not freaking okay i'm not thinking of celtics comment but that's another soft charming (laughs) we've got four more plays from jonathan next senior nba analyst here at v sin there are some things that are too good to keep a secret Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Storybutton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. 
Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. DraftKings is killing it. It was good to see LeBron at the all-hands meeting today. Bet $5, get $200 instantly in bonus bets over at DraftKings with the Super Bowl. Promo code VSIN, V-S-I-N. Again, DraftKings. The crown is yours. Senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel, hardwood handicappers. Make sure you bookmark that over at vsin.com. So here's where I want to go next. Jonathan, of course, I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. Let's go. A great matchup tonight. And of course, the other night was Doc's debut. And he said, we have to be patient. And by the way, Jonathan, you better be careful when it comes to Doc Rivers. He's trying to take your job, just so you know. But the Nuggets two nights ago, 113-107 over the Bucks in his debut. And you've got the Nuggets tonight at OKC. Uh, essentially a pick them. Uh, last time I checked, let me just check the number just to make sure if no, you I, have it I believe, there, go ahead and run. Yeah, I believe oh, Nico pardon me. Oh, six and a half. Yeah. Pardon me. Pardon me. Go ahead. Yeah. So I tried to get ahead of this and I got this wrong. So I have the Nuggets money line of minus one Oh five. Cause I assumed that uh, with Nico Jokic dealing with back soreness with the two game home set against Portland coming up here in a couple of days, that that would be the day that he takes off uh, given the importance of this game. But I guess wrong there. So this one's going to be bad, but I will say this uh, about this matchup. Spot-wise, it is not the best for the Oklahoma City Thunder when you're talking about, you know, I think it's about their sixth game in eight days. Uh, they had a very intense and playoff-like game against Minnesota uh, two days ago. And, of course, again, as we talked about, right, seeding and standing-wise, guys, uh, this Northwest division, all three of the teams that are going at the top of this division are competing for that one seed. So these are consecutive divisional matchups for Oklahoma City. And even without Nikola Jokic out there, it's going to be pretty tough just in terms of the intensity and the meaning of this game because Oklahoma City could lose lose this and you're talking about losing consecutive divisional matchups and falling as potentially as low as fourth here in the Western Conference so it's a very very important game and on the surface I think a lot of people look at this and go oh Jokic isn't playing chalk it up for a win for OKC but you've still got the vast majority of your depth if you're Denver and it's a good divisional matchup that does mean a lot for the Nuggets and I wouldn't just sleep on the Nuggets being pretty feisty here staying inside of that six and a half. Let's focus in on two teams that are one of them that's at least competing for the one seed in the Western Conference. Minnesota hosting Dallas tonight. Uh, you're on the Mavericks and kind of explain to people why the number is so large here in favor of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right now, now it's down to 12 and a half. Minnesota at home, total of 221 and a half. Yeah, I took 14 this morning with uh, Dallas Mall. Nobody's playing, uh, and it might seem counterintuitive, right, uh, that I get no Kyrie Irving, that I get no Luka Doncic, that Derek Lively is considered doubtful for this game. But there's a couple of things that, that come into this. First off, if we want to go big picture for Minnesota, guys, this is not a team that has been dealing with expectations very well. Uh, against the spread this season, only 23-21-3 against the spread. Uh, as a favorite at home, 8-9-1 against the spread. And as a favorite overall, 15-16-3 against the spread. So losing margin across the board, 
when asked to win by margin. It's just been a team that's failed to do that. And when you get into the depths of Dallas roster, they do get a little bit more defensive oriented when you remove Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. You still have Josh Green. You still have Grant Williams. Dwight Powell is still there. Can be a plus defender. You've got some guys who can at least defend at a pretty decent level. And as we talked about when it came to Minnesota and the big picture, still a team that's floating around 15th guys when it comes to their offensive rating. Mike Conley's banged up. Not sure if he's going to play today either. I just think asking a team that even at full strength has failed to win by margin all season long to win by margin yet again against a team that does have some defensive personnel. I just think it's a, it's, it's a foolish endeavor to ask that. So I grabbed 14 earlier today, as you said, I'm all, I think we're down to like 13, 12 and a half in some spots heading in the direction that I like so far. So we'll see if I get this, but I, I expect a good effort from Dallas staying inside of 14 points. Jonathan, you got to play on the Spurs at home tonight, catching five and a half, hosting Orlando. Two points. I love watching the Magic play. For some reason, I've just been kind of finding myself watching this young Orlando Magic team play. Before you give us your reasoning for taking the Spurs, I'd like your take on Victor Wembayama so far. Uh, I think that it's been great, and especially because they've changed what they're doing with them, right, guys? When we started the season, the, the Spurs just wanted to play him. They did two weird things. First off, they only wanted to play him at power forward, which you kind of get it. You don't want to put him at center and have him deal with the physicality of an 82-game season while playing uh, at the five. But they also started Jeremy Sohan at point guard for a vast majority of the beginning of the season. He's not a point guard. I get if you want to experiment with things here and there, but they were kind of running their head into the wall. Well, about a month ago, they changed that. They, they put Victor Wembanyama at center. They're starting Trey Jones at point guard. And all of a sudden, things are starting to open it up. And that has coincided with this push here, Patrick, for Victor Wembanyama, who's been absolutely brilliant. And right now has surpassed Jet Holmgren to in a little bit of a dip right now in terms of his play and to the point where actually Mark Dagonal's being asked if they think that Holmgren's dealing with some fatigue. So think a big all-star break coming up for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Having said that about this game, look, I mentioned all those numbers to you guys coinciding with this change of position for Victor Wembanyama, this Spurs team is seven and 20 straight up in the last 27, but 15 and 12 against the spread Hmm. since the start of January, they have covered 11 of 15 games. If you look at the starting lineups with Trey Jones and Victor Wembanyama at the respective positions, we're talking about a plus 10.2 net rating. Their new starting lineup has a plus 11.9 net rating. This team has been great. And they're a formidable young team at home playing a magic team that over the same span guys is statistically worse than them in every single category. So at the very least, it was just a number play for me. I don't think Orlando is this great team that is this much better than San Antonio. The current number of five and a half would tell you they're laying 10 and a half at home against the San Antonio Spurs. And I just don't buy that considering how well San Antonio has been playing. So number grab for me, uh, play it right now. Again, I think you said it's up to five and a half. Now, again, I think the market's getting wrong and pushing that thing back up. I think the Spurs are the side here catching points at home. Milwaukee makes a coaching change. They bring on Doc Rivers. First of all, A, a surprise for you, and then B, uh, neutral, negative, positive. How do you see the addition of Doc Rivers as the new head coach for the Bucks? I guess it's not surprising them all, just considering that, like, you know, Doc is one of those guys that if you have a team that you need to win 50 games, like the actually expectation, Doc's going to make sure that happens, right? Like, he's not going to add anything. He's also not going to take anything away when it comes to the regular season. So it's not too surprising because he is a guy that throughout his entire career has dealt with big personalities and stars at every stop along the way. Having said that, in terms of, like, your degree, like, I'm kind of neutral, like, I I don't think he really adds that much. He's not a coach that adds wins at the margins, right? And we know that. We know about the blown postseason records and all the sort of things, the issues in game sevens. I don't think he's a guy that fixes problems for you. 
So if you go into a postseason series and a team is exploiting something schematically over and over and over again, I, I think we've got a strong track record that at least shows that Doc is not the guy to fix that, right? So I, I don't think it's really that great. I, I think of the coaches that we're talking about here at the top of the Eastern Conference with their teams, he's clearly third amongst Missoula, Nick Nurse, and then him. And then you could start to talk about the others in that conference too. But I think I'm pretty neutral for the most part, and I think we'll probably see the the blemishes of Doc Rivers once again to the postseason as we've seen multiple times. The Lakers are 24 and 25 coming off back-to-back losses on the road to Houston and then last night to Atlanta. Big picture on LeBron and the Lakers, Jonathan. They stink. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm surprised by the surprise. Guys, they ran back a play-in team. Right. Like this was a team that was in the play in last year and got a favorable break. They got a Memphis Grizzlies team that was decimated by injuries. They got a tiny Golden State Warriors team. And then they got I guess it was competitive. They got swept by the Western Conference finalists and eventual NBA final champion in the Denver Nuggets. Like this is a team that saw, hey, look, we barely got in. Let's run it back. And you can't really tell me that, hey, Gabe Vincent's going to make a difference and all this sort of thing. Like This has been what this team is. I, I was frankly very shocked and by the way we've got evidence of this at summer league in july i had yovan buhan we had an at length conversation about this and i talked about it and wrote about it in the guide where there's a reality in which this thing goes belly up because you're asking guys like rui hachimura and uh and uh, gabe vincent and austin reeves to replicate career high performances that are unsustainable and here we are now and the guys that you're asking to do that are not doing it and everybody's looking around going oh my god they're a game under 500 what's happening it's a play-in team that ran it back we can't be surprised that when the rest of the western conference around them gets better they start to take a slide back so i'm not shocked they can go get Dejounte murray if they want i don't think that makes them exponentially better and you can play this when they make it to the western conference finals again i don't think that's the case <laughs> i don't think at this point right now that they're a playoff team Love it it Love does it. say, Amal, it says in my notes that it is true. Dustin Sweetelson, Jonathan is taking you to Andiamo's on Friday to take off a bet. Can we get a preview of that dinner? I'm curious because I've never eaten there, and I believe JVT has and is a fan, so I should probably run it by Mike Palm as well. Like, what should I be looking to order, especially with the fact that I don't have to foot the bill? I'm going to tell you right mm. now, the chocolate dessert there is off the charts. Oh, I was not expecting dessert. Well, I didn't think steak was going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> well, you thought it was pepperoni and sausage, <laughs> yeah. right? Now, where would, Jonathan, where would you put your excitement level of Friday night with the big guy, Dustin Sweetelson? Like, how does that factor in? Uh, I think it's pretty high. He's been ducking me. So I, I think that that's probably pretty solid. And, you know, I got two kids that I love very much, but uh, it's fun to be away from him. I'm like his third kid, <laughs> even though I'm older. Dustin, would you like to respond to the ducking allegations? Uh, I was sick. We had plans to go out a couple Fridays ago. I was sick, was not on the show that day, so I didn't make it. And I had to cancel on him. Now it's tough for him because he has to set things up with the wife and get approval. So it was like it was a wasted day of approval for him. I will be there Friday. We will rage. We will have a good time. And hopefully I'll be recovered by Monday. I mean, I hear all these stories about Dustin going out and everything, and I'm like, man, where was I? I don't get any invites. I'm always extending them. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> just just do me a favor. You're married. Don't go out with him after dinner, if you know what I'm saying. He no. is Jonathan Von like Tobel. <laughs> That's a great answer. I'm going to try to massage my way out of this. Beeson, uh, senior NBA analyst. Hard <laughs> Sorry, Dustin. Hardwood Handicappers is the podcast. Jonathan, thank you. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. 
our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 